um, that it's going to be a real sweet move of the Spirit, and it's going to be real pure. And uh, one of the things that, that he was talking about, it's, it's been really in my heart for many years, the Bible talks about the former and the, and the latter reign, uh, and um, how those two reigns will come together. And of course, there's a lot of different ways that you can interpret that. But um, just looking at the history of the church, it seems as though uh, after Jesus, so not uh, really when Jesus was on the, on the earth, I think he had both of them going on, and even for the most part, the, the uh, first century church. But after really about the first century or two, it seems like either we could uh, have a great move of God in miracles, or we could have great moves of God in teaching the word, but it never seemed like we could ever get those two things together. Uh, and, uh, you know, during the healing evangelist times, you know, they had great moves of God, but the, some of those healing evangelists couldn't teach their way out of a wet paper bag. You know, they wouldn't even, you know, Eve was a source of all problems, you know, uh, and, you know, just different things like that, that they would come up with and just really bad doctrine. Or, you know, uh, you look at the, at the, uh, uh, Pentecostal church, you know, they, it started, Pentecostal church, as far as denominations uh, go, started with uh, signs and wonders and miracles. And then they went from that because uh, the, the, those things waned and the Lord wanted them to move in faith. They went into teaching the word, but they taught the word to, to smother people, you know, with legalism and doctrine laws and um, no jewelry and no makeup and, you know, how long is your skirt and you know, nothing in the Word of God really, just making up things that put people under bondage. And, uh, and, it, and it seems as though the church always struggles to bring those two together because when, you, when the Word and Spirit are together, there's always freedom and liberty and miracles. Uh, but when they're separated, you know, the, uh, the Word of God will, uh, of course, it's not really the Word of God, but it's the legalism of the Word of God will smother the life out of the church. Or they'll be so fanatical over here with uh, the move of God. In fact, me and Chris went to a church one time up in, in Canada. There was a great revival at one of these churches up in, in Canada. And we thought, well, we happen to be traveling in Canada. Let's go. You know, I mean, we want to see how God is moving. And <laughs> I mean, you know, it may have started as a great move of God, you know, and, and uh, uh, I wasn't there when it started. But when we got there near the end of the movement, and they were barking like dogs and, and uh, crowing like chickens and, you know, and had, had books out about, you know, how God will, will, will uh, speak through the sounds of an animal through you, you know. And, and of course, uh, I, think, I think it may have been Brother Randy, too, the Lord spoke to him and said, I made man to be the highest animal on the earth. He's not going to lower himself to be an animal. Uh, and, um, but that's what happens when you get the spirit moving without the, the, uh, the assistance of the Word of God. I was going to say the constraint of the Word of God, because it is a constraint, but not in a negative way. It's, it's don't do things that are, that are dumb, right? Like, like, like crowing like a rooster, right? Um, yeah. 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 I have no problem with laughter at all, right? I mean, laughter, you know, I mean, the Lord, the Bible says, he who sits in the heavens laughs, right? So, and I've been in plenty of times when 
you know, uh, you know, Acts chapter two talks about how they were drunk with new wine or how they appeared to be drunk with, with new wine. Right. And I've been in plenty of services where, you know, we call it getting drunk in the spirit, but it's just, you know, uh, your ability to maintain your physical composure is minimized because of this level of the spirit of God there. And I, and that's normal, I think, in a sense that our physical bodies are not able to contain the fullness of the spirit of God like Jesus was. And so I think that, you know, that and I have no problem with that. But barking like a dog and crowing like a rooster, you know, is beneath us as human beings, right? We're created in the image of God, not created in the image of, of uh, dogs and cats. And you know, and I've been in plenty of plenty of church services like that, you know, dancing in the Holy Ghost, you know, all that stuff. You know, I've got no problem with anything like that. But and that's the thing is because uh, someone from the outside will say, well, dancing in the Holy Ghost is just as wrong as you know, crowing like a rooster. Well, there's a big difference, right? Um, one is in the image of God and, and due to the the move of the Spirit. One is is yielding to the spirits that are not God. You know, he never called us to talk like dogs and cats, you know, uh, although I'm pretty sure most people believe their pets talk to them, right? And, you know, well, my dog said it, you know. Of course, my dog does have a language, you know. He'll, he, uh, uh, in fact, uh, he's got this little thing uh, that uh, he's really pathetic, you know, but... Uh, uh, he's got, uh, um, we keep his food bowl in the laundry room. Uh, and so every now and then, if it's blocked or something, he makes this one sound. And it's just the only time he makes a sound. It's kind of like, not like a growl or a bark, but just kind of a grunt sound. And, and it's basically him, uh, you know, snapping his fingers like, <laughs> y'all need to do. And so he did that yesterday. And I, I went in there and he's standing there. And the, 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 the other door was, was blocking, partially blocking the entrance to his food bowl. And then there was a piece of luggage there too. So he only had about six inches to walk through there. And he's like, I ain't doing it. Y'all need to do something about this, right? And so he'll stand there and he'll make that sound like until, until his servants, which is us, get up and do something for him, right? Uh, and so, uh, so he does have a language and, and uh, he does use it effectively, you know, and, uh, but, um, uh, but, and, so, you know, the hard thing is, how do you discern that, right? How do you know that dancing the Holy Ghost is okay, or, or laughing hysterically is okay, but not crowing like a rooster? Well, you have to know the Spirit of God is what you have to know, right? Because what happens is, a lot of times, uh, even in things like dancing the Holy Ghost, you know, you, you're going to have a certain number, percentage of people that do it entirely in the flesh, because they don't know. They see that guy dancing, well, I'm going to dance, right? And so, they're not doing it because it's in response to the Spirit. They're doing it because Bob over there is dancing. Well, I'm going to dance too, right? And so, you know, you're always going to get people who don't know what the Spirit of God is and, and will imitate something, although it's not real. Uh, so how, how do you know? Well, you've got the Spirit of God, right? Uh, people think, well, that's hard. It's not really hard, you know. It's, it's the Spirit of God lives in you. You follow the Spirit of God, right? Uh, Christianity is not hard, you know. People, well, it's, it seems so hard easiest thing in the world. You've got the creator of the universe living on the inside of you. You know what to do right and wrong in every situation, right? Amen. You, you never, you are never without the teacher, right? You are never without the knowledge of the universe living inside of you. And when I say the universe, that's really small because God created the universe, right? Uh, he's bigger than the universe, but, uh, and so, yeah, there's, uh, but in, in these last days, there will come a time when uh, those who love the word of God will also have the grace to yield to the Spirit of God in such a way that there, it's it's a pure movement. It's a movement that's uh, where you can heal the sick and raise the dead, 
but that you can also open up the Bible and, and teach a Bible lesson. And um, uh, the church has really, has really missed that and uh, where they can do both and flow in both of those, uh, those reigns that the Bible talks about, former and the latter reign. Uh, and, and we need that, amen. The, the world needs that. The world needs the church to be able to do that because the world is hopeless. They have no ability to, to uh, obtain any blessings from the spirit realm. Uh, and so uh, they need a lot of help, amen? Uh, and so so uh, welcome to our annex right here, right? Uh, this is, uh, I guess this is Word of Truth East, right? Because we're the East from over there, right? Uh, and so we'll be here for a couple Sundays, and um, uh, hopefully it won't take too long to get uh, the sanctuary back up uh, uh, to where it's supposed to be. Uh, but uh, we're looking forward to it. It's really going to open up the sanctuary and, and give us a good uh, foundation to continue um, doing the things that the Lord wants us to do. Amen. It's just stuff. It's just uh, a building. We know, and we know it's not the actual, the church, you know, we are the church, but it is nice to have a nice place, comfortable place to worship the Lord in. And, uh, and so, uh, it's going to work out really well for what we want to be able to do there in the church and the ministry. And so, uh, we'll, um, we'll keep you updated as we go along. Amen. So they're supposed to come in on Tuesday and start, uh, slinging hammers and, uh, and putting things together. We've been slinging hammers and taking things apart. So uh, that's all right. Amen. So uh, uh, we're here with uh, Lillian B. Yeoman's book. And of course, she was a medical doctor uh, and um, really kind of semi-retired from the medical industry after she got saved and, and uh, uh, got to know the Lord. Uh, she still used a lot of her medical knowledge to help people that were ill. Uh, they, her and her sister set up a healing house, they called it, and they would bring in only terminal cancer, terminal, not cancer, but terminal uh, patients. So after everyone's given up on you and, and there's no hope for you, then you can come be with us. That way they don't get in trouble for, you know, really practicing medication because uh, the, me the medical industry had already given up on them. And of course, this was early in the, in the uh, 1900s, right? And so this was not uh, today. If you did that, you know, you'd probably get buried by the government somehow. Uh, but you could probably still get away with it if uh, it's as long as it's part of a church. Uh, but there, you know, there was a time when when um, John Alexander Dowie, you know, he was an Australian fella that uh, he was a pastor before he got the revelation of healing. Uh, and if you ever get a chance to read his stories, it, it's pretty interesting stories, especially if you read about. Um, uh, uh, I think Gordon Lindsay had written a, uh, a, bio a biography of uh, uh, John Alexander Dowie. Uh, and uh, there was the plague that had gone through Australia, and people were saying, you know, doesn't God work in mysterious ways? And he got so righteously anger, angered at that statement that uh, he started to pursue and find out what God really said about healing and got the revelation that God's our healer. Uh, and God started using him in spectacular ways and in uh, big ways, and um, he ended up moving to America and uh, continuing his ministry here, but he ended up in Chicago. And of course, uh, the people in Chicago, the authorities didn't like him being there at all. So they would arrest him for, uh, when he would pray for people to get healed, uh, for practicing medicine. And so uh, they were against him for a lot of years. Of course, he did bring a lot of it on his own because he was kind of a brawler type, you know, he fought them, uh, sued them and all kinds of things, you know. And um, in his latter years, he kind of got, uh, got sideways from the word of God to said he, declared he was now Elijah, and he wore an Elijah hat. I don't know if they have, like, like stores that you go by. You know, I need an Elijah hat, but it was one of these big, tall, kind of pope-looking hats, you know, and 
did Elijah wear a hat like that? I don't know, but you know, anyway, so he, he was now Elijah, right? He wasn't operating in the spirit of Elijah like John the Baptist was. He was actually Elijah, right? Well, you weren't Elijah yesterday. You were John yesterday. So, I mean, how'd you go from, you know, anyway, you know, he didn't ask my opinion. So it's unfortunate that, that someone with a, that great of an anointing, um, uh, you know, would kind of go by the wayside there. But again, it goes back to the word of God. The word of God should always constrain us. Now, that doesn't mean that that we'll never do anything not found in the Word of God because that would also constrain the Lord, right? Uh, I mean, one of the examples that uh, some people said that there may be some indications of this, but just the plain reading of the Word, you never see where Jesus ever grew an arm out, right, that didn't exist. Um, uh, and um, does that mean that God will never grow an arm out that doesn't exist? Well, we heard stories that, of that happening at Azusa Street, right? And so will the Lord ever do anything that's not listed in the Word of God. Well, surely He, surely he will, amen, uh, because there's such a, a wide variety of, of uh, sicknesses in the earth and maladies in the earth that the Lord desires to care for all of them. And so uh, the, the easiest way is uh, ask yourself, who's getting the glory? You know, if the attention is on the, the dogs barking and the roosters crowing, then that's not the attention of the Lord, right? Um, and so... Uh, and even, you know, a lot of these times when people are doing laughter and stuff, they're, they're kind of beside themselves. They're not paying attention. They're not trying to get any attention to themselves. They're just lost in the spirit. And so I've got no problem with that at all. Uh, but then uh, when you do certain things, uh, you know, there was a fellow, uh, it was the Jeffrey brothers back in the 1800s. And um, they'd gotten to the point where they had done such spectacular miracles, they started drawing glory to themselves. And and uh, one lady got healed in their ministry, and she said, you know, glory to God, or, you know, thank you, Jesus. Uh, and they said, uh, don't thank them. I'm the one that healed you. Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, she was healed of rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, they ended up, uh, at least it was one of them, I think it was George, that uh, ended up dying with rheumatoid arthritis. The Lord didn't put rheumatoid arthritis on him, but he got outside the will of God. He started bringing glory in himself. So, if you follow, you know, who's getting the glory, uh, you can know uh, nearly all the time you can figure out what's going on, right? It's kind of like the same thing. You can follow the money, you can find out what's going on, right? If you follow the money trail, you can find out what's motivating people a lot of times, right? And uh, in, in the church, of course, there's also money issues in the church too, but if you follow who's getting the glory in the church, you can oftentimes find out what the issue is of church. You know, why is a church, why is there something wrong? What's wrong with that church, right? Well, the, the problem of the church oftentimes is who's getting the glory, right? Sometimes it's the pastor. Sometimes it's the church itself. You know, we're such an awesome church, better than any other church in the world, kind of an attitude uh, that, can, that can get into, uh, into error as well, right? Uh, and so uh, I believe the Lord desires that this last great move of, of the Lord, and, you know, we always say it's the last great move of the Lord. Uh, we kind of hope it is, right? We'd all like to, you know, for the Lord to come back but um, and things move on, but... Uh, um, you know, the, the hints that we see, because there are certain milestones, you know, and I'm not an end-time event uh, uh, minister, but there are certain milestones that we know, like Israel 1948 became a nation. That's a huge milestone in the area of prophecy, right? So we know that's kind of a, uh, kind of a cornerstone there, right? A marker that uh, tells us that things are getting close, right? Uh, and then, um, of course, the insanity of the world right now that uh, we mentioned this morning about all the transgenderism and all this stuff and children, right? You know, uh, and, and um, I mean, things that 10 years ago we would say is so perverted should be 
you know, somebody should be tased, right? Just for even mentioning something like that. Uh, and nowadays it's like, we, we want to celebrate it like it's normal. And it's like, you know, the perversion level of that is so beyond the pale. It's just, it's amazing, right? I mean, it's amazing how they can just look at you and go, oh yeah, that's perfectly normal. And it's like, you're, you're in Pluto. You're on the backside of Pluto, not even on Pluto, you know? Um, and really, you know, we're, we're really insulting Pluto to put you out there. You know, you're beyond there, right? Uh, beyond uh, the last, and it's not even a planet, right? You don't even deserve to be on a planet. Uh, and so it, it's uh, the insanity of the world right now just seems, you know, I know every generation thinks that, but when you look at our generation compared to even one generation before, right? You know, things like homosexuality used to be, you know, it's always been around, right? It's been around since human beings have been around, but it's never been celebrated, right? It's always been kept in closets. And, and look, people, adults, they do whatever they want to. They're always going to do what they want to. Uh, and you can't stop that, but, you know, you should never celebrate sin. Uh, and, and now we celebrate it like it's, you know, like, like, it's a, a, like it's contagious almost. And it's like, you know, it's a pandemic of homosexuality. And we're not mad at anybody, you know, but uh, the Bible is clear about these things. And, uh, and um, you know, it's, uh, uh, I mean, we're not going to get into all the discussions about that, uh, but it is insane. And so, you know, the, the level of insanity seems to be a, a marker, too, that the Lord's coming back pretty soon, right? And, and if, it, if that's any indication, he's probably coming back this afternoon, is my guess, uh, as insane as things are. Um, but, uh, but I'm kind of of the same opinion that, uh, that Dr. Uh, uh, Ed Dufresne was. Uh, you know, when he was on the earth, he left us in 2013. And, and he said, if the Lord came back right now, he'd go to him and say, Lord, that's it. You know, uh, so many people prophesied about this last great revival, and the Word of God talks about how you're waiting for the precious fruit of the earth, and and, and how that even the New, the New Testament, especially the book of Acts, shows that the, the great influx of people into the church comes about when there's great moves of the Spirit of God, great miracles, signs, and wonders. Uh, and uh, that hasn't happened. You know, and the last great move of God, as far as miracles, was really in, in from 1948 to, to 19, uh, 1947 to 1958. After that was the charismatic renewal, right? And then, then, and that's kind of waned now. So we're kind of in this this no man's uh, land right now about the move of God. And you know, we see people get healed on occasion, right? We do even here in our church, we see some miracles. Uh, but before it was just in the air, right? People were just, you know, uh, it was just everywhere. Uh, and um, uh, and, and it, the sense that I have, and that people like Brother Randy and other people that were on the edge of that, you know, that it's about to be released. Uh, and, and when it does get released, the thing that the churches have to guard more than anything is stay grounded in the Word of God. And the more that we can stay grounded in the Word and allow the Lord to move in whatever spectacular way that He wants to, the, the more intense that move will become. If you go back to the book of Acts, you know, they were grounded in the Word. Remember, even in Acts chapter 6, they were talking about how it was unreasonable for them to leave the Word of God in prayer to wait on tables. And so, because they wanted to stay grounded in the Word, uh, and so they stayed grounded in the Word of God. And uh, I think we've got customers here. People think we're, uh, bring them on in, you know. Maybe we should need to make some teas, you know, that way we can bring customers in and let them have a seat while, they, while we preach to them. But, uh, but if you look at the book of Acts, you know, the level of the Spirit of God in the book of Acts was intense, right? To the point, even in Acts chapter 5, where Ananias and Sapphira uh, died because the, just because they lied on the Holy Ghost. Uh, and God didn't kill them. Uh, they, they expired because of their own sin. 
uh, and things like, and Peter raised multiple people from the dead, you know, and, and, um, uh, and of course, then even deacons, right? Philip the deacon was out there doing signs and wonders and miracles there in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and so it wasn't just the apostles. It was the entire church was doing these things. Stephen, the martyr, was only a deacon. He never did even graduate from being a deacon. It says he did mighty wonders, you know, uh, for the Lord. Um, and so it's the Lord's desire that the entire church is involved with miracles, not just the leadership of the church, not just the ministry gifts. Uh, but the reason why it was so successful in the book of Acts is because of their grounding in the word of God. And Peter was not, you know, he was not a Pharisee. He wasn't raised as in training to be a, uh, a leader in the word of God. And yet uh, he was focused staying grounded in the word. And of course, he did get a little off right there towards the end, right? To, where even Paul had to rebuke him. And if Peter was grounded in the word, Paul was doubly grounded in the word, which is why uh, God was able to use Paul even in a, in a greater sense, even more than Peter. I mean, after Acts 15, you pretty much don't hear about Peter anymore. Um, and and uh, not that Peter had backslid or anything, but Paul had taken the cause of staying grounded in the word of God and allowing the Lord to move in spectacular ways. Remember in, in Acts 19, it says how God uh, wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. But you think about that, you know, I mean, aren't all miracles special? Well, you got miracles and then you got special miracles, right? Well, I don't know how, what, what the, I mean, that's where the, the handkerchiefs and aprons, you know, left Paul's body, went and healed the sick and also cast out devils by, just by a prayer cloth. We call it a prayer cloth today. Uh, and so, uh, uh, and, and I think, uh, well, I don't think, I know that the reason why Paul was able to do even more spectacular miracles than all the other apostles was because his grounding in the word of God. Of course, he ended up writing the majority of the New Testament. And so I believe that's where the Lord wants to get the church to. Uh, and so you've got to stay focused on the word of God because it doesn't matter what happens. Uh, I mean, uh, when the Lord starts uh, moving in these spectacular ways, a lot of churches will get involved in that. You know, even churches that have not been grounded in the word of God, a lot of churches will get involved in that. Uh, and they will struggle to maintain sanity, right? It'll it'll be uh, it'll it'll be the same repeat of uh, times past of history. And that's why it's it's helpful to read and study church history. But all of those churches all fizzled out, right? After a few years, they couldn't sustain the spirit of God because they had no grounding in the Word of God, and so the churches end up dissolving. And and that'll happen again because it always happens because men are, are always stupid, right? We always do stupid things. And not just man, but mankind. Uh, but the churches that that choose to stay grounded in the Word of God will allow the Lord to move uh, in a spectacular way. But when the Lord is not moving that particular day, they will open up the Word of God and study the Word. Amen. Stay grounded in the Word. So uh, stay in the Word. Amen. Uh, the Word of God is the foundation of all things. And so, so we finished up the uh, uh, the second book there with uh, uh, Doctor Yeoman's uh, book. We're starting on a third book here called The Bomb of Gilead. Uh, and so these are four, a collection of four books that she wrote in her lifetime. And the publishers just took those four books and put it together into one book for us because they're each book themselves are, are small. Uh, and so this particular book is called The Bomb of Gilead. Um, and so let's turn to, Je to Jeremiah chapter 8. We'll look at uh, what uh, she says about this. And, you know, Jeremiah, the book itself, is really a pretty good book. I'd encourage you to read it sometime. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremiah kind of had a tough way about him. Uh, but um, 
he was, you know, he was a prophet in the time when, when it was God's desire to get the nation of Israel back on course. And oftentimes, the Lord will use the prophet's ministry to do that. Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, oftentimes that's the job of the, of the prophet's ministry to get the church back in line with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And um, it's amazing how hesitant and resistant the church is to getting back with, lined up with the Word of God, right? And so, unfortunately, Jeremiah's um, ministry was uh, uh, was uh, um, he, he was what, what's that what's that fella um, um, with the windmills and and um, uh, Don Quixote right he's kind of kind of Don Quixote type almost you know a tragic figure that you know he 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 was just beating the air it seems like sometimes and uh, he was correct uh, unlike Don who was kind of crazy but um, uh, he was correct uh, but the nation of Israel didn't want to hear it right. Uh, and so, so here he is prophesying in, in um, uh, Jeremiah chapter 8. Let's start in verse 18. It says, when I, when I would comfort myself against sorrow, my, hate, my heart is faint in me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, we, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am black. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is, no, is there no balm of Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of, uh, of the daughter of my people recovered? Uh, and so, you know, the Lord is kind of lamenting through, through Jeremiah that, you know, I'm here to help. I'm here to assist. Uh, and, uh, and yet... Uh, he said, is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? There are. Uh, it's the Lord, right? The Lord is the bomb of Gilead. The Lord is their physician. And so why is the health of the daughter of my people not recovered? Uh, and so they, they didn't recover because they didn't take advantage of the one that was there. Right? So he was telling them that they were there. Uh, and yet uh, because of their, uh, he said, they have graven images, strange vanities, right? Um, well, we're living today in a bunch of strange vanities, right? When people get on TV and celebrate some of the insanity that they celebrate today, right? Yesterday I was a woman, today I'm a man. Um, I mean, that's, you know, and they, they call it hate speech when you say that, you know, it's like, and it, to me it's not hate speech. It's, if it's anything, I just, I really feel sorry for people that are that way because, um the, the number of devils that they have to listen to for as long as they've been listening to them, uh, they're, they're so messed up in the realm of the spirit uh, that they have no understanding of that, right? They think it's normal, you know. Uh, and, of course, you know, later on, um, in, in even in the New Testament, it talks about prophesying how you know, people, you know, up is down, right is wrong, and, you know, black is white, and blue is green. You know, everything doesn't matter what it is, what it really is. They say it's the exact opposite of that. And just because you say it's that way doesn't make it that way, right? Uh, and one of the hard things that the world has to, uh, to, to accept and understand, and even in the church, is there are absolutes. The Lord has laid down absolutes, right? There are men and women. There's nothing in between. And there's no changing that uh, designation, right? Uh, you know, at the DNA level, the DNA of men is, is different than the DNA of women, right? Women have one extra chromosome because they needed more help, right? And so the Lord had to give them some more help then. So, uh, well, even if you decide that you're, you're now a man, 
you still have the exact same DNA. The DNA has not changed. You can't you can't just decide your DNA changes, right? Uh, and so, uh, and so nothing's really changed. Uh, you know, there are graven images today. There's strange vanities, uh, and the result of that is the Lord is unable to provide the healing that that He, as a physician, has provided to the church. Amen. Uh, and then even in the church, there are, are graven images and strange vanities. People have the strangest, oddest uh, doctrines in the world. You know that this is okay. Things that yesterday we all knew was wrong, that today the church is saying it's perfectly normal and acceptable and fine, right? Uh, and even things like homosexuality, well, as long as you love each other, it's fine, right? Uh, and, and people say, I can't believe that. And then, But then you talk to them about other things that, well, yeah, but that's okay. Well, why is this one wrong? That's wrong. If it's absolute in the Word of God, it's all wrong. Amen? Uh, and to, to uh, say that it's not wrong, well, what if you wrap up in a pretty bow? It's still wrong. Amen. Doesn't matter if you wrap it up in a pretty bow. Well, we, you know, we love each other. Well, you know, and, and, and God just wants love, there to be love. God wants there to be agape love. He didn't say anything about crazy love, right? Uh, and so uh, the, the root cause of the, the people in Jerusalem not being able to, to take advantage of the physician in the bottom of Gilead that was there was because they've got these graven images and strange vanities. And, and uh, here we are. Rinse and repeat, right? You think we learn from history, amen? But we haven't learned from, from history much at all. And so, same same book. Let's turn over to chapter 46 here. In chapter, uh, chapter 46, it says in verse 11, it says, Go up into Gilead and take balm, O virgin, the daughter of Egypt. In vain shalt, shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured, for thou art, uh, art incurable. Uh, and so, uh, here he's just uh, laying the groundwork again that uh, they're going to use many medications, uh, but it says in vain. Um, and so, we should answer that on speaker, right? You want to? And uh, uh, and so, um, so uh, he said, uh, thou shalt use many medications, uh, but they'll, you'll do it in vain. And, you know, I think about, uh, I think about uh, the United States uh, as far as, um, you know, t people, uh, there's always wars going on. And, and you know, we're not going to get into the political realm, but in the area of, of uh, the medical world, uh, there is such, uh, we have politicized the medical industry to the point that it's absurd, right? Especially in our country. Uh, and um, the amount of money that Americans spend on medical care is significantly higher than the majority of the world, right? Uh, but uh, people say it's because of this political reason, this political reason. I don't think it's really a political reason. The sense I always get is because we've trained everybody that your answer is a doctor, that your answer to everything is a pill, the answer to everything is, is more surgeries. Uh, and that has become a societal thing that we have to take medication, we have to take uh, pills, we have to see doctors for everything. And, uh, and, and you know, I know there's a balance to everything because when I was growing up, unless you were dead, you didn't go to the doctor, right? You know, it's a, you, uh, my brother fell out of a tree, you know, it's like, he'd be all right, you know. Uh, and and um, uh, I think he did get a cast on him there. Uh, and, um, uh, but I remember um, uh, my sister, uh, was chasing me around uh, the kitchen one time, and because uh, she was evil, right? And so, um, but I slipped and fell, and and 
uh, uh, hit the top of my head in the corner of a, uh, we had a box that we could cut firewood in there. And I just, I mean, full speed ran in this corner of this wood table there, wooden box there. My head bleeding everywhere, you know, and he'd be all right, you know. Uh, we never went to the doctor for that, you know. Uh, they just threw some dirt on it and we moved on, right? Uh, and, and um, uh, you know, that's kind of the way we was raised, you know. I mean, you just didn't go to the doctor. And, and um, I survived, right? I mean, you know, now I've got like a superhuman immune system. And, and so, uh, but uh, in, our, in our society, it seems as though, that everything is driven around the medical industry. I mean, you talk to your average person, not even an average person, the majority of people you talk to and their lives so much revolve around medication, doctor's visits, you know, surgeries. And I um, mean, and it's constant, you know, that, uh, and, uh, you know, part of it is that the spirit of infirmity is, is rampant in our, in our society, in our society here, that it seems like we're sickly about everything. You know, and people say, well, it's because of, it's because of the water or because of the air, because of this or that. It's because of the spirits behind all those things uh, that's driving all that stuff. Uh, because I live in the same society as everybody else, and I drink and eat, you know, pretty much the same thing everybody else eats, except for weird things like uh, collard greens and stuff. But um, uh, and so, um, and I'm perfectly healthy, amen. And, and I'm not the, uh, you know, I'm not some outlier. What you know, I've got some special DNA. I've got the same DNA that everybody else has, uh, and so. He's, he's saying here, in vain they shall use med many medications. And so are we against medication? You know, we're never, we have never been against medication. We, we thank God that uh, medication is there. We're thankful for the medical industry. It has saved countless lives uh, uh, and uh, improved the lives of, of millions of people. Uh, but I think in our society that uh, we see that as being almost a God, that uh, we almost worship it. And, and, and it's gotten to the point where um, people's lives are completely consumed by the the management of their medication and the doctor's visits and all of those things. And so uh, the only solution to that is the great physician. Amen. The, the, only, the only solution to that is the bomb of Gilead, right? Uh, if we take his bomb, uh, then um, we'll be okay. Amen. Uh, and so again, do we, do we tell people to stop taking medication? We've never told people to stop medication. We would never tell people to do that. Uh, the way that I see it is take your medication because it keeps you alive long enough to, for your faith to increase. Amen. And then at some point, maybe you don't have to take your medication, but that's between you and the Lord. Amen. Uh, because everybody's faith is at different levels. Amen. Uh, and so. So uh, she goes on then talk about, you know, how, how can we know what's been secured for us by the sacrifice of Calvary? Right. How, how can we know that? Uh, we have the great physician available to us. How can we know these things? And of course, the answer is kind of obvious, but she says, by constant, careful, diligent, reverent, and prayerful study of God's word. And that's really the only way. Uh, and that's really where the church has been lacking, that, um, uh, that they'll come up with these things. Uh, and uh, I think, uh, uh, Miss Sue, you were talking about something earlier that someone had said about how that in order to get healed, we have to receive communion. And did you hear somebody said like that, right? Yeah. Well, we weren't going to name any names, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, but uh, uh, so the statement is we must receive communion before we can receive healing in our bodies. Well, how many scriptures have we read about healing in, in the eight years we've been in healing school? We basically covered every instance of healing that's ever been documented in the Word of God without exception, right? We went through, there's like 82 known cases of healing in the scriptures 
and in countless promises of healing besides that, uh, not a single one mentions a requirement uh, for communion before, during, or after for healing, right? And we see all the examples in the book of Acts, all the examples of the Lord Jesus, uh, and yet not a single one talks about that. And yet here we have a very well-known minister saying that this is required in order to receive healing. Now, I haven't heard it, so I, you know, I'll have to... Uh, but that's one reason why I don't want to name names, right? But... Uh, Yeah, yeah, and so, um, but there's no, there's no word, there's no word for that. Um, in fact, I was thinking about some other things that people say, uh, and um, you know, I hear some common phrases in the in the body of Christ. People say certain things, and, and you know, if the Lord ever gives me the freedom to do it, the question I have is, what what promise from the Word of God are you standing on to use that statement? Because our faith has to be in only in the Word of God, right? It's not not anything else. It's not in uh, history, or it's not in it's not a testimony. You know, if someone says, "Well, I, you know, I drank one of these teas," where we got these teas here. There's a tea right there called unicorn, right? I drank a unicorn, and and God healed me of terminal cancer. Well, that's great. You know, could that happen? I mean, it could happen. None of my business how the Lord wants to do anything, right? But can I? Can I, who also may need healing, can I then use that to base my faith upon anything? No, because there's no word on that. My faith can only be in the Word of God. My faith cannot be in your testimony. If, if you had a special healing of, due to something, that's great, but I can't base my faith upon your testimony. I'm thankful you. it encourages me, right? Uh, that tells me that then God can do anything he wants to do uh, within the constraints of the Word of God, and that's great. But my faith can only be in the Word of God. It cannot be in your experiences. Uh, and, and that's where we get off in the church many times is my faith becomes based upon your experiences, your, your life. Uh, and, and that's not how faith works. Faith is only founded upon the Word of God, the promise of the Word. And there are phrases that get into 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 the church, things that we say that we have no basis for faith in that. Uh, you know, I was traveling uh, uh, on a mission trip one time, and and they wanted to pray for for uh, a girl that uh, needed deliverance. Right? She needed uh, some devils cast out of her. And so one of the ministers, you know, went up there and put his Bible on her. Uh, and um, what 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 what's our promise for that? Right? What is the promise that says if you put your Bible on someone, a devil will be cast out of them? We have no promise for that, so uh, that means that we can't do that. Now, the balance of that is: could the Lord tell you to do that? You know, He could, right? I mean, I'm not going to constrain the, the Lord to do that, but but even if the Lord told me to do that, I can't make a doctrine out of it because I don't have any word for that. So even if the Lord wants to do a one-off thing and a special thing in this situation, He's perfectly allowed to do that within, again, the constraints of the Word. But uh, I can't then go up and say, well then, since I laid my Bible on this person, you all can lay your Bible on anybody you come around, uh, that come, come in contact with, and obtain their healing for them by placing your Bible on them, right? Uh, well, what if it's, you know, not a leather-bound Bible, is that okay, right? What if it's only bonded leather? Is it bonded leather okay, or does it have to be pure, you know, full-grain leather? Uh, what if it's just a hardback Bible, you know, or even worse, what if it's a like a paperback Bible? Is that Would that work, you know? I mean, I don't know. There are rules, uh, you know, and so uh, there are no rules because you know, there's no Bible for that. So we have to be careful about do, doing those things, right?
Oh, Benny Hinn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and why is that right? What 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 verse are we standing on that throwing a, a chunk of paper on somebody is, is going to provide healing for them? There's no Bible for that, right? There's no promise for that. There, there's nothing like that, right? Uh, and so, you know, we, we have to... Uh, we have to be, like she said, constant, careful, diligent, reverent, prayerful study of what? God's Word. Uh, and, and the people that will remain the most healed in their life, uh, supernaturally, will be the people who spend the most time in the Word of God. Amen? Uh, uh, as far as obtaining healing by the Lord's grace and, and His power. Uh, and so, excuse me. Um, so she goes on to say, then, then she takes a hard, a hard left turn right here. And um, so we got to talk about her hard left turn that she takes here. And she says, it seems to me that God had to allow me to go down to the very gates of hell and the brink of a dishonored grave to make me study the word on healing. And so we know her testimony, right, that she was a medical doctor uh, and she was a kind of a type A personality driven to always succeed and do the best. Uh, and, and so in order to maintain that lifestyle, she started taking morphine and, and um, uh, some other uh, substances, uh, very strong um, uh, medications of some kind, and got addicted to them uh, to the point that she nearly died, near the cost of her life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just take real exception with this statement because there's no self-awareness in this statement. There's no acknowledgement that it was entirely on her that caused this, right? That it was not because of the Lord's allowing it to happen. It was because she was completely carnal. Uh, and, and we're not mad at Dr. Yeoman's, right? Because she got saved eventually, right? Accepted the Lord, got healed supernaturally. So we're thankful for that. But here she said that God allowed that uh, to make her study the word on healing. Well, the Lord didn't allow that. You know, she caused it. She brought it entirely upon herself with a desire to, to be you know, the man, right, to be the, the woman who could conquer the world, be the first woman to get a middle, medical degree from her university, and, and then to continue in that same vein of being, you know, this this uh, ultimate person uh, that, that could conquer the world, and that's what brought her to the brink of death. It wasn't the Lord allowing that to happen, it was because of her own carnality that allowed that to happen. And when we get to heaven, she'll agree with me, you know, she won't be mad at me, you know, and I'm not mad at her, you know, trying to run her down because this was all before she finally figured it out, right? Uh, but see, it's how many people make the same statement that it seems to me that God allowed this great sickness in my life in order to, to teach me to, to love him like I should. Well, that sounds like a great spiritual statement, but if you pull the curtains back a little bit and you go, um, I thought you were just being stupid. I mean, you, you started taking these strong medications and morphine and you know, illegally, right, and, and doing all these things that were that you knew as a medical doctor was dumb and not, not wise for your body, but you did it because you were driven for success. Well, that's all on you. None of that's on the Lord. The Lord didn't drive you to be successful. The Lord didn't drive you to be this person, type A personality. Uh, that was all on you. Uh, and so all of this was on the Lord, and it was really the mercy of the Lord, not, not his kind uh, will and desire to help her become a person of the word, it was her own 
her, her own self-will that caused her to be in the position that she was in based on her own testimony, right? We just, we read her testimony. It's the beginning of the book. She, it was entirely self-inflicted. Amen. Uh, and are we mad at her? No. Are we saying that, well, I can't believe she did that because I would never do that. I would encourage you don't ever say, well, I would never do that. Don't ever be condescending about somebody else's sin because, you know, uh, you could wake up with the same temptation tomorrow. So I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, well, I would never do that. But uh, hopefully my goal would be to be self-aware enough to go, Lord, this was all on me. You didn't, you didn't allow this. And people use that word allow, but I, I think that's a very, to me, that's a very improper, imprecise uh, statement of how the Lord works. He does allow it. I mean, technically it's true that he allowed it, but he allowed it because he could do nothing else. He allowed it because that's what you wanted to do. It wasn't like, uh, uh, like the devil wanted to come do this to your life and the Lord's like, no, you can't do that. But then he decided one day, okay, now you can do that. It wasn't the Lord's doing that, uh, that if he had not allowed it, that it wouldn't have happened. He allowed it only from the standpoint of you wanted it to happen, and, and it happened. Uh, and so because he will never override your will, he, that's the sense that he allows it. He allows it because your will wanted it to be that way. Uh, and much sickness and disease is that, is that way, right, that, that people are sick or diseased. Not, not all, and we're, we, we are nobody's judge, right? I'm not going to judge anybody. Uh, but I'd be really careful using those words. God allowed this sickness into my life. Well, let's go back and, and look at your life first before you make that statement of accusing the Lord of being the one who, who, although he could have stopped it, chose not to. Because the reality is he could not stop it. If you want to do that, he cannot stop it. Amen. Now, he can, he can constrain your will from harming other people. And by his mercy, sometimes he'll even help you out. But for the most part, if you, if you will it to be done in your own life, then, then he allows it only because he will not override your will. And that's what the counsel of the Lord tells us from the word of God, that, you know, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his only begotten son. So why isn't everybody saved? Because he allowed them all to go to hell? It's not because he's allowing anybody to go to hell. Is the Lord allowing them to go to hell? No, he's not allowing them to go to hell. He desires more than any for them, anything for them to not go to hell. He gave his own son to keep people from going to hell. Yet people go to hell every day. Uh, and so to say he's allowing it, it, it it's, it's such a terrible, uh, imprecise statement because it implies that the Lord in, in his great desire has chosen to uh, and wants this terrible thing to come into your life. He did not want this terrible thing to come into her life. And he wasn't, wasn't planning on using that to teach her or to motivate her to study the Word of God. You know, you can just study the Word of God. The Lord doesn't have to put you to the brink of death in order to motivate you to study the Word of God. He can just say, hey, dummy, study the Word of God. Amen? Uh, and so, so I just take exception with any time I see these phrases and, and you know, because all this sounds like it had nothing to do with me wasn't my fault. I had nothing to do with it. It just came upon me. Had, I, I, I didn't make any choices. There was none of my choices here. It, it was all the Lord's doing. Was that all the Lord's doing? It was 0% the Lord's doing. It was 100% her doing, right? Uh, and really, you know, uh, the way that I would have said it was the Lord's mercy kept me alive long enough to find his word. And that's, that's the truth of it, right? It was the mercy of the Lord uh, that intervened uh, as a sovereign act of his will to allow her to remain alive long enough 
to obtain the word of God on healing. That uh, from the sickness that I was entirely uh, that I enti- entirely self-inflicted upon myself, and that would have been a more accurate statement, right? So I've sent this uh, these edits to the editor, you know, to see if they'll republish the book there with the with the correct statement there. But uh, I haven't heard back from them yet, so um, you know, I'm being facetious, right? So <clears throat> the Lord didn't allow it, right? Uh, it, it was not. Uh, I, I'd be careful about ever phrasing anything like this phrase, but I hear this phrase oftentimes in the area of sickness and disease, right? Anybody ever heard, well, God allowed this sickness in my life to teach me to be more pious or teach me to, uh, you know, God allowed this sickness in me so I could be a testimony to other people. That's none of those things are true, right? You can be a testimony to other people during your sickness and you should be, uh, but don't ever put it on, on the Lord and his desire for you to be sick to do that because you could just walk in the hospital as a health, healthy person, pray for the, all the people in the ICU, get them healed. That'd be a pretty good testimony right there, right? Uh, and so, and you should only do that, of course, the Lord instructs you to do that. Uh, and so, uh, so I just, uh, I really don't like those phrases like that, amen? Because it muddies, to me, it muddies the waters and it keeps, it keeps us from seeing the reality of the situation, Amen. Uh, we went through the whole book of Job this morning, right? We went through chapter 1 all the way to chapter 42. Uh, and at the end of it, whose fault was all the problems in their life? 100% Job, right? 100% Job. It wasn't the Lord, wasn't even the devil. It was 100% Job. And if Job had figured it out, he could have been out of Job about Job chapter 3, right? Uh, and really, he could have been out of it in Job chapter 1. Uh, and so, uh, but how many people will go through months and months and years of pain and agony and say that it's the Lord's will, and the Lord, the Lord, the Lord allowed this to come into their life. You know, to teach them, to teach them humility. Uh, and I always thought that was funny. Teach, teach them humility. I mean, how many, how many Bible verses do we have? It says, "Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due season." Okay, what else you got to know about humility? How long does it take to read that? Right, it's like one verse. Uh, you know, uh, and besides that. Uh, how many people have ever actually learned humility by being sick? How many have learned anything by being sick other than I want to be well, right? Uh, you ever feel like opening up a book and learning, you know, how, how, how to uh, uh, use Newton's second law of uh, motion? No, because you don't feel like doing anything when you're sick, right? Uh, and so uh, people uh, will say things like this. And, and you know, Dr. Yeomans was an excellent uh, Bible teacher, right? as a whole, uh, excellent uh, example of God's uh, mercy, excellent example of being used of God to provide healing for probably hundreds of people, probably more than I've ever prayed for, uh, is my guess. Uh, but that doesn't mean that just because she says something, we, we accept it, right, as truth. Because again, when you, if you read this, read this uh, statement, that God had allowed me to go down to the very gates of hell, the very gates of death, and the brink of, dis, of a dishonored grave to make me study the word on healing. Okay, what Bible verse do we have to stand upon this? There's no Bible verse for this right here, right? There's nothing, no promise that says God will take you to the very brink of death in order to, to motivate you to study the word of God on healing. There's no Bible verse. So it's not, not doctrine, right? Uh, and so... So we do need it if we want to if we want to, uh, to uh, remain uh, as strong, healthy people. We need to have our faith always based upon the Word of God and not based upon uh, somebody's life experiences. Amen. Uh, and so, um, Doctor Yemans, we're not mad at you at all. 
Um, and like I said, I can guarantee you when we get to heaven, she'll be, yeah, uh, I wish I could have scratched that one phrase out of my book, right? Uh, and so, because the rest of the book is great, you know, the rest of the stuff, at least in this chapter that we're going through here, it's all good stuff, you know. And so, you know, on all of our material that we've studied so far, you know, there's only been a couple of phrases here and there that we've not liked, right? Uh, and uh, the rest of it, though, that God is still a healer is still so, amen? Because she gives us a bunch of scriptures that here's what we base our faith upon, amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for your word. And, Father, we thank you that your word is the foundation of what we believe. Father, it's not the life experiences of other people. Uh, it's your word. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that your word is what we believe. And, Father, you said that you are our physician. You are our healer. And, Father, that has never changed. You are still our physician, and you are still our healer. So, Father, we declare that with our mouth, that you are our physician, and you are my healer. And nothing's changed, and you will always stay in that position. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? Anybody mad at Dr. Yeomans? We're not mad at her, right? Uh, and so... I'm not mad at her at all, you know, but um, uh, but I think it's good, you know, uh, I, I do think it's good to see some of these phrases even in writing, and it gives us an opportunity to talk about them, uh, because if we if we just did, you know, I mean, we we went through Brother Hagen's book, and I think there was actually one thing in there that he said uh, that we had to correct, uh, and, and uh, my comment about that was I don't think he wrote that because he never wrote any of his own books, he, other people wrote his books, and I think the editor of that particular book just slid that in there, because, it, I mean, I've listened to so many uh, hundreds of hours, but I'd never heard him say anything close to that at all, and so um, I think, you know, the editor goes, well, it's got to be that, it's got to be it, right, so uh, anyway, um, all is well. Well, let's get ready to receive that this afternoon's offering, and um, uh, we thank God for our healing, amen? I'd encourage you, you know, to, to, uh, Confess the word of God over your own life, Lord, I'm, I'm the healed of God. And, and, but always do it not from a standpoint of fear. Don't, well, if I don't confess, I'm going to get something. We, we only confess because we're just declaring to the Lord, this is how good you are. You're my healer. We're not doing it out of fear that if I don't say it, I'm going to get something. Uh, we say it just because it's, the Lord's so big in our hearts, we want to declare how good he is to the world and to our own selves. Amen. And so come ahead, Mr. Jared. And uh, and I and I encourage you, you know, stay the course. Uh, you know, sometimes things take a while. Uh, and why do they take a while? Well, we really don't know. Right? I mean, it just seems that they, sometimes they take a while um, to get fully recovered from things. Uh, but the, we always get fully recovered from it if we'll stay the course. Uh, and so I'm not giving it up. Uh, there's plenty of things I've received uh, immediately. In fact, just uh, last night uh, I was at home doing something and uh, well I wasn't actually doing anything I worked all day and I was just relaxing on the couch uh, and um, uh, and my heart started fluttering you know it started it started beating at a really weird non-rhythmic pace uh, and um, uh, I, I'm sure there's a medical term for that you know I don't know what it was but uh, it was being stupid is what it was being doing it, and uh, and I just said in the name of Jesus you know you straighten up and as soon as I said it it just it just settled right back down because normally you don't even feel your heartbeat, right? But I felt it was weird because it was not not in a rhythm at all. Uh, and so, uh, 
uh, you know, this heart's going to stay with me all my life. Amen. And if it, is, it doesn't want to straighten up, I'll command it to straighten up and it will straighten up. Amen. Uh, and I'll use the name of Jesus to do that. And so and then when, when my time comes and, and uh, the Lord and I agree that it's time for me to come home, we'll let it do whatever he wants to do and then we'll go home. Amen. Uh, but we'll, we'll go home on our terms. Amen. And so uh, don't forget, we'll, we'll be back here again next Sunday uh, at, in this uh, room right here. Uh, and um, uh, it worked out okay, right? It's comfortable and we have plenty of space here. So, so yes, ma'am. Now we're going to be here Wednesday as well. So we'll just stay here because we have air conditioning and um, uh, and all the air is turned off over there. And, and so, uh, and there's no dust over here, you know, over there, a lot of dust, right? And so, <laughs> what's that? Yeah, that? That was just that shock of that wall falling by. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there might have been. <laughs> yeah, when it when it fell, yeah, yeah, I know when it when it fell, I looked at the wall and went <laughs> like I won, you know. Uh, so, well, I did say that. I did say, yep. Uh, and uh, uh, no, no, but it uh, it was. A, I mean, it, to me, it's like a TV thing, right? I mean, it's just like how many times you know see that and you walk away and then you hear the cracking, you know, and all of a sudden this. You know, it was probably 10 by 10, you know, 100 square foot wall of ceiling there. A big, heavy, two-inch oak board, you know, and uh, and uh, just fell to the ground. And and, uh, and it was just it was just funny, you know. It was just like, wow, you know, we survived. <laughs> because the Lord is good, amen? Uh, and so, yeah, yeah, probably six, yeah. I'd say six of those there. So, yeah, maybe more than that, you know. Uh, and I'm glad Johnny wasn't anywhere nearby. And uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was, and we always expect him to to take care of us and pre to protect us, you know. And and um, uh, and I was up there hammering that thing away, you know, and just, and uh, didn't sense any any warnings, you know, because if, if you sense a warning, you run, right? You don't you don't well the Lord to protect me. Well, he did. He just protected you to, to warn to move, right? And I didn't sense any danger there, so I just, you know, hammering away. And, and um, the Lord is good. Amen. Praise God. Well, thanks for coming out. We'll see you uh, next Sunday.